Well, sometimes it's hard to have courage, right? Sometimes, guys, it's hard to be brave. And we experience those moments every now and then when we feel like we're pushed beyond our capability, where maybe we're asked to step into a role that we don't feel like we have the skills or the gifts or the abilities to handle, or maybe we're asked to lead a team that we never thought we would be able to lead. Even though we dream of moving up in an organization or advancing in our company or our business, we find ourselves from time to time those moments where we don't feel capable of accomplishing whatever it is in front of us. We know it's out there. We know that we should. We know that we should try. And sometimes we want to try, but we have this fear overcoming us when when we don't know if we take this step, if we're going to fall flat on our face. We don't know what it looks like if we walk out of that unknown or into that darkness. And it feels more comfortable just to stay where we are. It feels easier just to stay in the safety of what we've already known and what we've already been able to accomplish. Maybe those moments where someone encouraged you to take that step or maybe even pushed you out of the nest and says, I know you can do it. I just need you to take that step so that you could see that you're able to and capable of doing it. And maybe there are those moments where somebody believed in you even when you didn't believe in yourself. And those opportunities come that cause us and call us to step out, to go beyond our ability to step outside of our comfort zone in places that we are fearful of and never thought we would find ourselves in. And all of us have been there at some point. Maybe it was at work, maybe it was at home, maybe it was a situation that God had placed in front of us. Maybe your boss came and laid something out in front of you that initially you said yes to, but inside your heart you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And if I don't, if I fall flat on my face, then my time at this company may be over. It may be done. There's those moments where we just don't know what to do or if we're able to do what we've been asked to do. And this is where we find our young man named Gideon this morning. We've been in the series called Everyday Courage that we're looking at different men and women of taking these steps of faith and these everyday moments of life that aren't these big moments where the lights are on and where everybody is watching and an, an entire arena is there to see what we will do or there's a movie made of us. These moments of everyday courage happen in the everyday moments of life. And so we find Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. In one of those moments, as Joshua and the story of Joshua and the life of Joshua closes and ends where we finished last week, we see the people of God finally starting to conquer and possess the land that he had promised to Abraham. And we've talked about this at different times over the last couple of weeks, that these people have taken hold of this land and they started to possess this land. However, just like they've always done and just like you and I always do, after a season of being faithful and obedient, they walk away from God and they walk into disobedience. And the thing that they did here in this moment is they didn't conquer the land as they were supposed to. They didn't destroy all of the people that were enemies of God like they were supposed to. And they just went in far enough and said, that's enough. That's good enough. We're safe. We're comfortable. We don't want to do the whole thing that God asked us to. We don't want to do the whole deal. We just want to go to this point because we feel able and we feel capable of doing this. And that's all we're going to do. And in doing so, they were disobedient with God and didn't fulfill all of the promises that he had for them and all of the things he had called and asked his people to do. And so because of their disobedience, God sends them a judge. And a judge in that day fulfilled two roles primarily. They were a military leader to help the people continue to possess and acquire the land that God had promised to them. The second thing they would do is they would fulfill kind of a, a pastoral shepherd type of role in the sense that they would spiritually guide the people back to him. Those are the two main roles that they would, they would exist in. But the problem with this was the people's hearts were never really changed. 
And they, just like you and I, would go on this roller coaster ride of idolatry, of putting faith and hope and value in something else to the point where they felt completely decimated and completely out of control and under oppression to the point that they would repent. They would turn back and realize they had walked away and left their faith in God and they would repent and come back to him and live in a season of faithfulness and obedience. And then something else would come along, they would put their faith in and they would idolize, they would begin to worship and they started this roller coaster ride round and round and round and round they went on the merry-go and just up and down the roller coaster of trusting God, walking away from him, trusting God and walking away from him again. And this is where we find the people of God in Judges chapter six and chapter seven. And so God sends a series of judges to try to lead the people to possess the land and walk faithfully with him. And as we come to this judge, he's the fifth in the line of judges. His name is Gideon. He is the most reluctant judge of all time. God walks up to him and says, I want you to do this. I want you to help my people. I want you to lead my people. And Gideon, in essence, says, you don't want me. I'm nobody. I'm the least of all the least of all the people and all the tribes and all the clans and all the peoples and all the families of all of Israel. Like, if you want to take it all the way down to the lowest, Gideon's like, no, no, I, I can't do this, God. You need to find somebody else. I don't have it within me. I don't know enough. I don't obey enough. I don't walk closely enough. I don't have enough courage or bravery or reputation or integrity or character or people following me. I don't have it in me, God. You need to find somebody else. His story is just like the story of Moses in Exodus. Moses was probably one of the most reluctant leaders in all the people of God, where God would come to Moses and say, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of slavery so that they could go and possess the land that I had promised to them. And Moses said, no, 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 you, you can't do that. I can't do that. You need to find somebody else. And so this series of back and forth with Moses and God, God saying, no, Moses, I've called you. Moses saying, no, God, you need to find somebody else. And God saying, no, I didn't make a mistake. I called you, Moses. I will equip you, Moses, along the way. And Moses going, no, you need to find somebody else. This is exactly what Gideon does throughout his story in Judges 6 and 7. God says, Gideon, I want you to do this. And Gideon says, no, you need to find somebody else. God says, no, no, Gideon, I have called you. I know you can do this because I have put it in you and will put it in you. And Gideon says, no, you've got to find somebody else. And so as they enter into this scene and into this picture in the story of Gideon's life, the people of God of Israel are under oppression by the people of Midian and Amalek. And so these two enemies, arch enemies of the people of the Old Testament, are pressing down and pushing down on the people of God, so much so that the Israelites had made for themselves caves or, or dug out holes in caves so that they could go and hide. They basically lived in dens and caves in the mountains because they were so afraid of the enemy that stood against them. And it explains to us in Judges chapter 6 a little bit about the size of, of this army. It says that they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come in with their livestock in their tents and they would come like locusts in numbers so much that you couldn't even hardly see the ground. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste to the land as they came in. And as Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the people, they cried out to God and they cried out to the Lord for help. So in, in my mind, when I read this, I always try to make connections. When I read this, I'm like back to the future, Marty McFly, right? This enemy was so great that when, when Biff came in, Marty would just shrink and cower back. And this is exactly where the Israelites find themselves. When Midian and Amalek would come in and their soldiers so powerful and so great and so many that you literally couldn't even count their camels, there were so many. That they were filling the earth like a, a large group of locusts. They were so powerful that the Israelites would simply just shrink back in fear. And they literally felt the weight of their insufficiency. 
And they understood that they could not do anything to overcome this enemy and overcome this moment. And so they did. The only thing they could do was cry out to God. And they said, God, finally, we have tried in, in our own ability, in our own selves. We tried to hold ourselves and pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We've tried to do what we thought we were capable of doing, and we have found ourselves wanting. We have nothing in us to overcome the enemy that stands in front of us, and they cry out to God, please, we've walked away from you. We've lived in our own sufficiency. We've realized our mistake, and God, we know that you're our only help. We need you to do something, and so God answers their call and answers their cry, and he sends them a prophet to build their courage within them. In Judges chapter 6, this is what it says, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So God says, look, I'll give you everything you need, everything you desire, whatever it is you need to overcome, whatever it is you need to live faithfully, to be obedient, I will give to you. But God says, you've not been obedient. You weren't obedient with, with the things of the past. You weren't obedient to the forefathers or to Moses or even to Joshua because at the end of Joshua's life, it said that the elders and the generation that came behind him did not know Joshua or the things of God, that they walked away from him. And God says, I've given you everything you have needed and you have simply walked away from me and you did not obey my voice. And so then God sends them a judge who is Gideon and other judges over and over and over again who were not fully capable of leading them spiritually, their primary role was to lead them militarily, even though they attempted to lead them back to faithfulness as well. So in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, this is the story of Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Ab Abrazite. Great names, right? It's going to name your son this when you have one. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So this, this seems like a, a lot of heritage, lineage, so-and-so, and so-and-so, but the, the emphasis here is God comes to Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and he finds Gideon beating wheat in a wine press. And the reason he's doing so is because he wants to hide from the enemy. This one statement encapsulates all the fear of all the people, the posture in which the people are living in. Gideon is their poster boy. If you wanted to see the, the self-esteem and the ability and the confidence and the courage of the people of Israel, all you had to do was look at Gideon. And the reason this is important is Gideon is threshing wheat, which was a normal job. He was separating the wheat from the chaff. He was there beating it out to try to separate it. But the issue was Gideon wasn't doing this where you normally would thresh wheat. Gideon was doing this inside one of the caves in the dens they had carved out for themselves because he was so fearful to be out in the open, out in public, because he was afraid the Midianites and the Amalekites would come and destroy him at any point. And you typically threshed wheat out in the open so the wind could blow the chaff away so that you could just get what you needed, the grain, out of the wheat. But Gideon is hiding himself deep in a cave because he is so fearful and so worried and so scared to death of what the enemy might do to him. He is threshing wheat in secret so he can hide. And I think sometimes we find ourselves just as people and as men kind of hiding back from what we know we're supposed to do. Stepping back into the darkness or into the cave and into the den because we're fearful of stepping across that threshold of where God is leading us and what he's asking us to do in our family, in our community, in our workplace. And then we just become a shell of ourselves, a shadow of who we're supposed to be. And we step back and we walk back into the darkness. But what I want you to see is specifically what God says to this man. 
what God speaks to this man, this man that is fearful, a young man who is hiding and scared and afraid and thinks he has no ability to do anything great or anything good or anything of significance for his people or for God. And I want you to watch how God talks to him. Now, this is not to, please careful, this is not to chide ladies, but women, you're really good at poking and edging and pushing us. I just want to ask you to think about what if maybe, and maybe you've tried, but what if you spoke to your husband the way God speaks to Gideon and speaking these things to him and over him instead of speaking down or pushing down, speaking into and building up. Watch what God does as he treats Gideon with grace and care. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now remember, Gideon's posture, this, it's just indicative of his national pride or really no self-esteem and no pride. He's hiding. He's, he's cowering. He's pushed back in the darkness. He is broken. He is fearful. And God steps to him and says, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's looking around like, who are you talking to? You talking to me? You're not talking to me, right? There's somebody else here in this cave with me. Because you're not talking to me. I am not a mighty man of valor. Because valor means to have great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. And Gideon's like, I don't have any courage. I know there's danger and I know battle's coming. That's why I'm hiding in this cave. You're not talking to me. You have to be talking to somebody else. And what Gideon believes of himself and what God believes of him are completely opposite thoughts of one another. Gideon says, I'm the least. I'm the weakest. I'm the worst. You cannot use me. You can do nothing with me. And God says, you I have called and you I am calling a mighty man of valor, courageous in the face of danger, especially in battle, spiritual warfare, battle for your children, battle for your home, battle for values, ethics, spirituality, and God in this world. That you are not fearful, you are not afraid, that you stand in the face of danger. And then he and God go back and forth in this, no, I'm not, yes, you are, no, I'm not, yes, you are. You know, that, that back and forth, that's exactly what they do. Gideon says, no, I'm not, God says, yes, you are. Gideon goes, no, 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 you got the wrong person. I'm not. God says, yes, you are. I have called you. I've spoken this into you. I've built this into you. And verses 13 through 16 give us this exchange back and forth between the two of them. Gideon says, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers have recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. We're weak. We have nothing. We have no power and no ability. And God says to him, back to him, God says this, God says, and the Lord turned to him. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? God like completely ignores the question. God completely ignores the statement and he says again, hey Gideon, I want you to focus on this. Quit getting distracted by other things. Gideon, you are a mighty man of God. I am sending you, Bubba. It's your turn to step up and step out. And Gideon says back to God in the next verse, please Lord, how can I do this? How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And Gideon goes, boils it down from, of all of Israel, and all the 12 tribes of Israel, and all the clans within each tribe, and the family within each clan, I am the weakest in my family. So he basically says, out of all the people of all the earth, you cannot use me. I am the weakest. I am fearful. I am afraid. I am scared to death, and I have no ability. And so God says, I got it. I understand. So this is why Gideon... God says in the next verse, I'll be with you and you shall strike down the Midianites as one man. 
Gideon says, you cannot do this. I don't have the ability. I don't have the power, the courage, or the strength. And God's like, Gideon, I got this. I'll take care of you. I will build in you this faith and this courage to do what I've called you to do. And Gideon's like, look, God, if you want me to boil it down for you, I'm not just weak. I'm not just fearful. I'm not just incapable. I'm the last person on the planet you want leading this thing. And God says, no, 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 I got this. I, I, don't, I don't need you. I just want you to step into this, part, into this process and be a part of this story. I want you to have a step of faith so that I can build your courage and strengthen you so that you can lead the people where they're supposed to be led when the people of God would not go where they were called to go in the beginning. I want to use you, Gideon, to do the thing that I promised them years before. And I know you feel incapable. I know you feel unworthy. I know you feel fearful and inadequate that's why I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I will take care of whatever it is I am calling you to. And men, we face that all the time. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how if I take this other position so I can be home with my family more, how, how God's, or I'm going to be able to provide financially. I don't know how if, if I live with integrity and character at work, that if I lose my job, how God's going to provide for me. I don't know how if I step into this situation and speak truth into this moment in my family, how I'm going to be treated and how everybody's going to look at me and how we might be ostracized. God, I don't see how. I don't see a way. I don't see how I can do it. And honestly, I don't know how you can do it either. And God says, all I want you to do is take a step. All I want you to do is just step out and have some courage and have some faith and do what it is I've called and asked you to do. And so we get to this point and we say, okay, God, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll take a step. Maybe I'll take a half step, but I need something in return first. I need you to do something for me first, which is what Gideon says to God in verse 17. Gideon turns to God and says to him, if I now have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. This is what we all do, right? God, I think you might be calling me to. I think you might be asking me to. I think you might be sending me. But God, first, I need a sign. So God says, here's your sign. I was billing ball before there was billing ball, right? Here's your sign. And so Gideon says, God, I just need to know. I need to know that you're with me. And Gideon literally tells the angel of God, hold on, I'll be right back. He says, wait here, don't go anywhere. And the angel of the Lord's like, I'm not going anywhere. I came to talk to you. I came to speak to you. So Gideon runs home and gets some food and comes back and asks the angel of the Lord, would you provide a sign for me on this rock? And the angel of the Lord does exactly what he said he would do. He performs a sign so that Gideon knows that it is God who calls him to this. And all of us get ourselves in that place. That sometimes we just want to have a little bit of confidence in knowing that God is with us or that God is calling us or that God is sending us. And so we kind of chide Gideon for asking for these signs, but I, we all do it. We all need to know that it is God who's speaking to us. And so God gives him this sign, but God never leaves us with that sign because God just doesn't want to perform miracles so that we're awed or entertained. He does so to build courage in us so that we'll take the step he's asking us to take. And so without waiting a moment, God turns to Gideon and says, okay, it's your turn. I gave you the sign. It's your turn to take a step. So in verse 25, Gideon uh, is asked of God to do this. That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And in its place, I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men, he took 10 men with him in the middle of the night and his servants, and they did as the Lord had said to him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. 
And so God says, okay, it's time for you to take a step. If, if you want a sign, I'll give you a sign. Now it's time for you to do the thing I've asked you to do. And I just want you to have some courage. I want you to step up and step out and do what I've asked you to. And this is what I want you to do. Gideon, I want you to destroy all the idols that your father has worshipped in the past. I want you to destroy all the values that do not line up with me. I want you to remove all the ethics do not, that do not follow the word of God. Can you imagine? That's the hardest place for us to step out of. From where we've already been, what we've already known, how we've grown up being taught and told how to live and act and think. To step outside of not something that is good and godly and biblical, but to step out of something that is not fully faithfully walking with God. Because the people of Israel had turned away from God and they were worshiping the, the God of Baal and they had created all of these altars to Asherah, one of the goddesses and one of the gods that they were worshiping. And God comes to him and to Gideon and says, look, I want you to tear it down. I know it's your father's. I know it's in the backyard. I know what you've always worshipped all of your life. And then everybody puts their faith in it. Everybody puts their faith in their 401k. Everybody puts their faith in the family they're building. Everybody puts their faith in their ability to get a promotion, to be successful in the marketplace. But Gideon, that's not what your faith is built on. I want you to tear it all down. I know it's your dad's. And I know it feels like you're destroying your father's legacy. And I know it feels like you're stepping out of your family's faith. And it even feels like you're stepping out on your dad. But Gideon, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to have courage and have faith, I need you to destroy this. And in its place, on top of what used to stand there in idolatry toward other gods, I want you to build an altar to me. And I want you to take the wood that you tore down on the Asherah pole, and I want you to use it as wood that will burn as a sacrifice to me. He was called to step out of the shadows of his father. And for us as men, whether we want to talk about it or not, that's one of the hardest places to step from. To step out of what our dad has taught us, the way he has lived and the things that he has, has put into us. To maybe step out of those, not to degrade him or disgrace him. But to step out of our father's shadow and out of our father's faith to build our own in its place. And I think for some of us, we have lived on other people's faith for far too long. We've lived on the legacy and the heritage of our church. The legacy and heritage of our father of our father's father, of our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers. And we have not had the courage as men maybe to step out of the shadows and out of the dark and establish our own faith for God. And so Gideon did so. And again, if we know the story, we've read the story, we give him a hard time. Look, he did it in the middle of the night when nobody was watching. He did it and he was afraid. That's not the point. The point is his faith was beginning to grow and his courage was beginning to build. And Gideon did it anyway because he knew it wouldn't be dark forever. He knew that in a couple of hours it would be light and people would see that he had torn down or somebody had torn down the Baal and the Asherah pole and had established an altar for God. And at some point they would come looking for Gideon. And when they came looking for Gideon, they came to his father's house. And you would think his father would be enraged at Gideon, but his father told the men of the town, look, if Baal's strong enough, let him defend himself. But if this God my son chooses to worship is stronger, then he will defend himself in his honor and in his place. And Gideon's faith did not disgrace his father. Gideon's faith began to build faith in his own dad who had worshipped the wrong God for all of his life. And so the story continues in verse 33. As Gideon is starting to build courage and grow and have faith in God, it says these Midianites and the Am Amalekites that were enemies of the people of Israel started to gather again. And the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and they encamped in the valley of, of Zareel. And so 
This is what is happening in this scene, in this moment. Gideon is forced to step out and show faith and courage. And then God brings this army and this enemy against him again so that he has to take another step of faith and another step of courage. And so the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abizurites were called out to follow him. And it continues and he sent messengers to all the people surrounding throughout all of Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asherah and to Zebulun and to Naphtali and they went up to meet him there. Here's this picture of this fearful young boy who is hiding in a cave, trying to live in secret and in the shadows and in the quiet that no one would notice, that nothing was ever asked of him, now becoming a man of courage who is not only stepping out to lead his own faith and to lead his family, but to lead a whole army of people of God. And instead of hiding in the shadows, Gideon is stepping out to lead his people to where God had promised they would be for thousands of years before. And so the story continues and he continues to start to walk with God and have faith with God. And then we come to that part of the story that we all know, the part of the fleeces. And so Gideon's like, okay, God, I know we're gonna go into battle. I need some more signs. And so Gideon lays out the fleece and asks God to make the ground dry and the fleece wet. And then he asks him to do the reverse the next night. And so Gideon's asking for sign after sign after sign. And God continues to perform these signs to build his courage and to build his faith. And Gideon's faith, Gideon's courage is at an all-time high. He is ready to lead these people and ready to take over the Midianites and the Amalekites, and he's ready to move into the promised land and take them over. And then God starts to take away what he had built up. In chapter 7, verse 2, this is what it says that God does. And then God said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give you into the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel would boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, this is what I want you to do. Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from the Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and only 10,000 remained. And God had built courage inside of Gideon, and Gideon was starting to believe that he was capable and able to do what God had led him to do. And as soon as God builds up his courage, he starts to remove and take away all the physical resources needed to accomplish this task. And you think, God, why would you do that? Why would you take away all these things you have built around me? And the reason God sometimes removes those things from us, the tangible, physical things that we rely on, that we lean on, is because sometimes over time we start to think those are the things that give us courage. Those are the things that we begin to worship. And so God removes those physical things from Gideon because he wants Gideon to know that his courage comes from having faith in God and God alone, not his own ability and not in the strength of the army. And so these people were 32,000 ready to take on an army that you could not count. And so God says, I need you to send 22,000 of these men home and I need you to go to battle with only 10. And Gideon had to be fearful and worried and afraid. And God says, hold on, if that's not enough, if removing two thirds of your army is not enough, I need to do it one more time. And in verse four and verse eight, this is what God does. God says to Gideon, the people are still too many. And as Gideon, you gotta be thinking, how can, how can this 10,000 be too many? They have so many we can't even count their camels. And so God continues and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained 300 men. From 33,000 to 300 fighting men in a matter of moments. Now if that wasn't enough, God does all of this in eyeshot of the Midian camp. So that Gideon sees God removing all of these things from his life while he can look over and see all of the army and all of the camels that look like locusts that they could not even 
count. God wanted Gideon to know that his courage did not come from his own ability, but that his courage came from having faith that God could do what he said he would do. And maybe you're at that point. Maybe you're at that place where you see what you have and what you've lost. And maybe you see the enemy that's coming at you and you say, I don't have enough. There is not enough resource to do what God has asked me to. But the great thing about God is he never leaves us disheartened. He never leaves us discouraged. And just like we saw last week in the story of Joshua and seeing two spies go into the camp to see that God was already working on their behalf, the very same thing happens with Gideon here. Gideon gets a chance to go into the Midianite army and he hears two soldiers. He overhears them talking about the battle that was yet to come. And Gideon was encouraged by this because this is what it says in Judges chapter 7 verse 14. These two uh, Midianite men were saying this. This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. And so Gideon is fearful, worried, and afraid, feels under-resourced, incapable, unable to do what God calls him to do, even though God is building this courage and faith inside of him. And so God gives him this moment to see, I've already taken care of it. As Gideon works his way into the Midianite army to spy out the people, God says, look, I've already taken care of it for you. I just need you to take a step. I just need you to have a little bit of faith. I just need you to trust in me. I just need you to walk out into the darkness, cross over the threshold, and go, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I just know that you have promised you would make it work. And I am laying down all of my own skills and all of my own fear and all of my own resources and all of my own strength to say, God, I trust you. And so Gideon divides the 300 men into three different companies and surround the Midianite army, which has to look like, you know, a bunch of tinker toys standing around. I got a bunch of little kids just standing there holding trumpets and holding swords, and it just looks like you're going to battle with a bunch of kindergartners. And so God says, look, I just want you to stand there around this army, and then I'm going to do something on your behalf that you never thought possible. So in verse 20, this is what it says happened. And they held in their left hands the torches, and in their right hand the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Here's these 300 men against so many that you could not even count and it says every man stood in the next verse go on and it says that every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran and they cried out and fled and when they blew the 300 trumpets the the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the enemy and so here's this army that's so great and so big that they literally could blow the Israelite people over They are so fearful of Gideon and the army because God is with them and he's built courage and faith inside of them that when they blow these trumpets, the Midianite army and the rest of the enemy turn against each other and literally wipe themselves out. And Gideon doesn't even have to lift a sword. And God says, look, I've been working on your behalf all along. I've been working out all the details. I've already taken care of all the darkness and everything that's on the other side of the threshold of faith. I've already been working on your behalf and I know you can't see how it's all gonna work out. And it feels like if you take that step, it's all gonna fall apart. God says, look, I've been working. I've been doing what I said I would do. I've been faithful to my promises and to my people. I just need you to take a step of courage. And Gideon's courage and faith began to build step by step, act of bravery by act of bravery, moment after moment going from a fearful young boy hiding in a cave to a faithful leader 
and man who is ready to take on an army you could not even count its camels with a trumpet. Men, dads, husbands, I know it's hard. I get it. I know it's fearful because we're, we're tasked with providing for the family. We're the ones who are supposed to be strong. We're the ones who are supposed to have it all together. We're the ones who are supposed to be capable and able and worthy. And a lot of times inside of us, we just don't feel like we're enough. And so that feeling of not being enough causes us to step back into the shadows and shrink back into the caves and the darkness of our lives, keeping us from taking a step of faith and courage because we simply don't know how it's going to work out. And we're afraid we're going to fall on our face. We're afraid we might even die emotionally, physically, spiritually. We're afraid we'll lose our job. We're afraid we'll lose our reputation. We're afraid we'll lose the respect of people around us. We're afraid we'll lose our free time. We're afraid we'll lose the dream we planned and hoped to build for ourselves. And you will. You'll lose all those things. But until you take a step of courage, you have no idea what God is doing on the other side. You have no idea how he is working on your behalf to do something you never thought was possible. Look, Gideon said, God, you've got to find somebody else. You can't use me. I'm the least of all the least of all the people. And God just completely ignores his inability and low self-esteem and calls him a mighty man of valor. I'm going to speak into you and build into you and grow courage inside of you with every step of faith. And I've already got it taken care of. I just need you to take a step of courage. And so, man, I just hope and pray and encourage you today that whatever God is calling you to, wherever he's leading you, whatever it is in your life, I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know. I know that you're scared to death of taking that step because you don't want to lose what you have, because you're fearful of falling flat on your face. You're worried that you're not capable of picking up the pieces. And God says, oh, mighty man of valor, I want to work faith and courage into your life. And I will show you and do things in your life you never thought was possible. I just need you to take a step and keep taking steps of faith and courage along the way. Man, we love you. We pray that you're encouraged, that you're strengthened as you put your faith in God more than your own ability or lack of ability, that your self-esteem grows not in yourself but in the power of the Spirit. As you see God working in your life every single day as he's done in the men and women of our faith and our history and of our past, that God still wants to do the very same thing with you. And I know he can and I know he desires to. I just pray you have enough courage to take that first step. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for the men in this room. Again, we know how hard and difficult it can be sometimes to, to be a man in the world and to be told that we're supposed to live this way or act this way. That sometimes we cower down and cower back in fear of the things that stand in front of us or sometimes we abdicate our role because we want to build a life of comfort for ourselves God, I pray as, as men who are of faith, men who are believers and followers of Christ, that we wouldn't be risk averse, that we wouldn't be cowards, that we wouldn't be men who 
walk back into the shadows who are fearful and afraid of what stands in front of them, but that we would boldly take the steps you have called us to. Not taking steps that are ill-advised or not led by the Spirit, but those steps of courage and leaps of faith that you've placed in front of us. That so many times, God, like Gideon, we want a sign, we want the answer. Many times you give us that sign just enough to take that step. And you're just waiting on some of us to take that step of faith. And we wonder why you're not present in our lives. We wonder why we don't feel you. We wonder why our lives aren't different. And maybe, God, you've just asked us. I've been waiting for you to take that step. That your faith will grow when you walk into what I've called and planned for you. When you abandon the things of the world. When you walk away from your own ability. And when you fully begin to trust in me. So, Father, help build courage and faith into the men in this room. That we would lead our families well. That we would lead our community well. And that we would live faithfully and biblically in our workplaces you call us to every single day. That we would leave a legacy and a heritage, not of financial resources, but of lives filled with faith. Steps of courage and bravery taken in trusting our God and what and where he has called us to. God, thank you for entrusting us to have the role that we have and the position we have. Help us to follow you faithfully and to lead our families and our communities in courage and faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.